0: Good morning and welcome to the Houghton Wesleyan Church. It's a blessing this morning to be in this beautiful place and to have such a wonderful church family. We have some guests in the back that are still looking for a place to sit. So we can be welcoming and squeezed to the middle so we have some outside seats for people. That would be wonderful. Please stand for the call to worship. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord over the The Lord reigns forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise, Praise the Lord.
1: Please be seated. We are always grateful for uh, the gift of little ones uh, to the families that are part of our church as well as to our church family. And it is a great joy to, uh, to have them uh, be brought to the church to be dedicated and baptized. And this morning uh, we have the privilege of doing this once again. So I'm going to ask the family to come. Through the sacrament of baptism, we are enter initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through the water and the spirit. All this is God's grace offered to us without any price. Today, Jason and Claire bring their child to be baptized as an affirmation of God's provenient grace that he is even now at work in their child's life. Jason and Claire as by this act you are testifying to your own faith in Jesus Christ and you are declaring both your desire and your commitment as parents to teach your child as soon as he is able to learn the nature and the meaning of this sacrament and to nurture your child's own faith in Jesus Christ therefore do you confess Jesus Christ as your savior put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your lord In union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? If so, answer, we do. Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church, that by teaching and example, he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? If so, we do, with the help of God. do. Do you present your child for baptism as a sign of the grace of God which is extended even now to your child through the atoning work of Christ and declares him to be a part of the family of God. If so, answer, we do.
2: Reading from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them.
1: The naming of our children is a gift of God. After all, naming is the very first act of freedom that God gives to human beings. Throughout the Old Testament, uh, naming a child is a profound moment that is full of meaning... For the child, for the parents, and for others. It is significant that often God is intimately involved in the naming of a child. For instance, John the Baptist and Jesus himself. The name and the meaning associated with the act of naming often sets a path of holistic flourishing for the child. Baptism and naming are intimately connected. The rural Presbyterian church in northern India is an indigenous church composed of the Dalits, or the untouchable people, the lowest caste of people in the great nation of India. And despite laws to the contrary, it's been very difficult to change the deeply ingrained mindset of the caste system that degrades the lower classes, especially the Dalits, the untouchables. By Hindu law, children of Dalits can only be given a derogatory name at birth, something like stupid or ugly or dumb. But at the Rural Presbyterian Church, when Dalits come to faith in Christ, they have a renaming ceremony, which utterly relabels people in light of God's grace and mercy. In baptism, they step into a new identity with a new name. And this extraordinary gift shifts every part of life. The practice of naming is central to the act of Christian baptism. The God who creates and and gives us our new identity wants us to understand that we who were once identified by our sin are now identified by his grace. In baptism, we receive the blessing of God. Our name, name is no longer something we are not, but declares who we are in Christ. So in the context of all of this, as you come to this holy moment, what name have you given your child? Timothy Jason Bentz, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I love to mention when we come together for these moments, uh, this is the, the bringing together of a threefold covenant. I sort of visualize it as a triangle around this little one. At the base of that triangle is God. God is at work in his life, and in fact, in baptism, we are declaring that we acknowledge the provenient grace of God in his life, that he's already at work in this little one and will always be at work in his life, drawing him to himself. And Jason and Claire made their commitment as one side of the triangle to to do everything in their power to raise their little one in such a nurturing environment and atmosphere that, that his decision to follow Jesus is the most natural thing in the world for him to do. And we also, as the church, have a huge responsibility. Our view of God is often shaped by our experiences with the church. And so we have this opportunity and this privilege and responsibility to, um, to fill in the triangle on the other side and to be a place of grace and patience and mercy and truth in little Timothy's life. And so I'm going to ask you to stand and to affirm your commitment to him and this family. As the church of Jesus Christ, will you, with the help of God, do everything possible to help Timothy grow in the nurture and grace of Jesus Christ? Will you love him? Will you be a godly witness to him? And will you help him to know and accept the grace of God in his life? If so, answer, we will.
2: Can I trade you? Yes. I want to hold this baby. Can you hold this for just a second while we trade I don't want to drop your babies. Yeah, I don't want to do it. <laughs> Let's pray together Gracious God, we thank you today for the gift of water By it we are made new By it we are engrafted into your family We pray today especially for little Timothy Jason We acknowledge your love which has called him forth from nothing Heart and lungs and eyes and mouth and eyes and ears Spirit and body from the dust of the earth May this love accompany him everywhere he goes, through his early years and as he grows and becomes a man. Give him faith and a good conscience. Help him to grow so that each day is a new gift from you, a chance to rekindle this gift that is within him today through the laying on of these hands. May he not neglect the gifts that are in him. Help him to guard the good treasure entrusted to him with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within us all. Make him a man whose life proclaims the message of your love. Make him persistent in reminding people of your love in times favorable and unfavorable. One who convinces and rebukes and encourages others in proper measure. Make him strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. When suffering comes, as it inevitably will, may he share in it like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Give him the utmost patience. And help him to fight the good fight of the faith... Until that day that he takes hold of the eternal life to which he is called. That life that we joyfully confess as your people today. Before many witnesses here and around the world. We pray today for Claire and Jason. For their faithful love that bears witness to the love that you have for your body, the church. We thank you for the happy fruit of their love and yours. We pray that as your love and theirs has brought Timothy forth. That your love and theirs would create a safe and nurturing home for him where he is loved for who he is and reminded of who he is every single day. Give them the fervent desire and the patient discipline to be parents who point Timothy to you. May Timothy observe their teaching, their conduct, their aim in life, their faith, and even their persecutions and their sufferings, so that he sees these things and learns deep in his inner being that you are loved and believes it firmly because of the loving parents he saw it from. Make them an example so Timothy would come to believe in you. Be with John Lauren and Evelyn and Stephen too. Let them not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Help them to pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace so Timothy sees you in them. Make them fitting teachers and siblings to their little brother. Give them the patience they will need for their tasks. And Lord, as your body, the church, we own our responsibilities today too. Your blood is thicker than the water of our physical birth. We love this little brother of ours. Help us to show him love, not in just sentiment, but in thoughtful action for Timothy and for each other. Help us to remind Timothy every day even more about how much you love him and about the gifts you've given him and the life you have for him. Help us to support Claire and Jason in good ways. Help us to model quiet and peaceable lives full of godliness and dignity so that he can grow up to think a life like that is possible in a world like Mm -hmm. ours. Help us to be faithful in the doctrine we teach. Help us to teach him well that love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. We thank you for young Timothy, one of your children and ours. We lift him to you in the name of the King of the Ages, the immortal, the invisible, the only God. To you be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.
1: Amen. Please be seated.
3: Congratulations. I want this back. This
1: one's... Just a few things I want to uh, mention to you in the life of the church. Uh, we're in summer Sabbath, so uh next, next few weeks we will uh, continue meeting for worship, one service at 10 o'clock. As you see on the back of the bulletin, that schedule changes August 21st. But until then, one service at 10 Uh, Our district-wide family camp begins tonight, 6.30 in Wesley Chapel. There are activities and events and gatherings throughout the week. Uh, You can go up to the Campus Center to register and find out more about that, or you can go online uh, to the address listed in the bulletin. Last week, we uh, introduced a survey that we're taking about our Wednesday evening children's programs. We would love your feedback. uh, Today is the last day to give that. If you don't have... uh, internet access. We have some paper copies in the back. You can fill those out and hand them to uh, one of the pastors or just uh, drop it off in the office before you go, and uh, we will compile those together. We appreciate your help with that. We are uh, always glad to have the opportunity to hear from people who have been called to other places of the world and are serving there. And this morning, we have the privilege of hearing from uh, Jackie Algier, She graduated from the college a year or so ago and has been serving in South America and will now be off to a new destination. And we are pleased to have her here and ask her to share a few moments.
4: Good morning. It's so glad to be back. I've missed you all so, so much. Uh, So I was just in Ecuador in South America in a small little town called Pamba, And um, I'm just going to call it the Chag. It's a lot simpler. And so this is where I lived, um, pretty much on that soccer field. I did a lot of sports ministry with a lot of different people. Um, The first few months was learning the language, building relationships. The language was hard, let me tell you. Learning Spanish, it was a bit rough. So... um, uh, you know, some pig's head right there in the fresh market. And so, God really called. God really asked me to do a lot this year and um, by the time February rolled around, I had honestly completed every expectation that I had in my book and God was like, no, you're not even close to being done. I have more that I need you to do. I shared my testimony with over 50 people by February. I had shared my life verses with 15 of my closest friends and so with Romans 8.28 and Philippians 4.13 and God was like, no, I want you to do more. I want you to have a birthday party and I want you to share again and I want you to explain everything that's going on in your life and what, who brought you here and what you did. And so I did. I had a birthday party and 65 people from the community came. I shared my testimony. I shared my life verses again and what it meant to me in my life and how I had just accepted Christ only three years ago and he had brought me here to Ecuador to serve and help other people learn more about him. And at the end of that night, uh, I knew something had changed. I could see... I could see the open hearts opening more and more and just people wanting to learn a little bit more about God. After that day, uh, for the next week, I had eight individuals come to me and ask me, you know, I've, I don't know where those Bible verses are in the Bible. like. Uh, can you help me out? And so I ended up doing eight small Bible studies with different people after that night. And God just opened up the doors for me to go into their homes to speak the word of the Lord. And while there were no decisions for Christ, there's a lot of open hearts out there. And so I have a teaching degree. That's what I graduated in having. And so I started a kids program because I miss teaching so much. And so doing the, vaca- the school vacation that they had, I started a kids' program. It's kind of like a vacation Bible study. We sang, we danced, we played soccer. I had coloring pages and brought crayons from the States. And then I taught a small Bible study or a small story from the Bible. And all in Spanish, by the way, it was not easy. And uh, let me tell you, it was a stretch. And then um, I would have the kids do a little arts and crafts based off of the story that I had spoke. So the kids would take them home, you know, show their parents. And after a week or so of doing this, some of the parents came to me and was like, why do you care about my kid? Like, why are you doing this kids program? Like, there's a bunch of other teenagers here that could do it, but why are, Why is the white girl doing it? And so, you know, I was able to share with them, like, this is the gospel. Like, I love this, and I want kids to learn. And the kids are such an opening into the household and so I really loved and appreciated every moment that I had with these kids and the moments that I had and the moments that will continue to come as that continues today so 35 kids are coming and that's 35 homes that are coming to know the Lord because God sent me and so some of the other things that happened over the course of my year was a medical team came down from the United States and I got to be a translator at that time yes I had succeeded in my dream of learning the language. I'm not perfect. Let's be honest. And so um, the medical team came down. We helped 200 people with reading glasses, some um, heart defects that needed help, um, some other infections that people had had for years, and giving them the right doses of medicine, everything. Uh, yeah, we helped 200 people in two days. It was a lot of work. And then I went to Saraguro, which is a small little indigenous town, and we did a vacation Bible study where we were in charge of the kids' program, like what I did in my own hometown in the Chag. And so we sang, we danced, we prayed, we, you know, sang worship songs, and I got to yet again teach. And that was really awesome. And then I went to the Amazon jungle. I didn't get Zika, don't worry. I'm okay. Uh, and so uh, I went to the Amazon jungle and I did a bunch of things there. Uh, That church that I'm actually located in, one of the missionaries that I went with, he actually built that church in the middle of nowhere. And we had mud up to our knees that day because we were supposed to do a sports clinic, and it was raining, and it was just a hot mess. So um, we actually got to church that day, and one of the guys that I was with, he actually shared his testimony, and three men came up and accepted the Lord that day. And so three men, three families had had forever. Ever been changed because we went where other people don't want to go and don't want to get messy. And uh, I went to Guayaquil as well on a Vacation Bible Study. Uh, that's in the coastal area. A lot of poverty. Just complete devastation. And so I went, and I had 20 kids from ages 9 to 11. And I was a teacher for that group, and I had two assistants with me. I had 20 kids that week. And we talked about how God protects us, how we are His children, and and how His love affects us each day. And I had five kids pray the prayer at the end of the week to accept Christ into their hearts. And so just another testament of how kids can enter or how kids allow you to just be part of the family and just including the family and everything that we do and then um manta i don't know if some of you know but we had a really bad earthquake back in april in ecuador and it was pretty devastating hundreds of people had died um, homes were destructed, and God gave me the opportunity to go and work for a week, and I served five, well not just I, God and everyone else that's included—served uh, 530 people within three days, and it was complete devastation. I had never seen something like that, and that had forever changed my heart, and so— um, My final days in Pamba. these are all my friends and my family uh, that I love and I miss dearly. And some are still going to a Bible study. Some are still messaging me and asking me more about my testimony. So it still continues today. And. Wow, I miss them. Those are just my family, guys. Uh, I love them a lot. And so uh, while I was there, I was praying and asking God, so what's next? You know, do I continue ministry? Do I come back and use what I've, been, what I've learned and use it here in the United States? And God was like, no, I need you to, I need you to get ready because you're going back again. And so I am going to be working with English Language Institute of China, based out of Fort Collins, Colorado, and I am going to the Middle East and Asia, if everything works out well, prayerfully it does. Um, Financially, I need to be, the deadline is August 31st, and I'll be going to um, two countries in the Middle East and three countries in Asia, uh, Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand. In in, uh, the Middle East, I'll be going to Turkey and Lebanon. And I understand that Turkey has been in the news. I understand what I'm up against, but they also need to hear the gospel, too. And God called me using this verse, and I want to share it with you. Uh, 1 Samuel twelve twenty four. But be sure to feel the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Uh, you, just saw, you just saw the last ten slides of everything that God did in Ecuador through me. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to be his vehicle and to go out and serve and to be ready to serve and see what I'm up against what the church is up against. And I would love your financial support, your prayerful support. Um, I have a lot of information in the back about what I will be doing. I will be in Lebanon, I'll be working with Syrian refugees that come across the border. In Vietnam, I will be introducing the kids' program. I'll be implementing a kids' program at an Asian university so that way kids will be able to know more and be able to hopefully pursue a college education because not many of those kids get to see that on a daily basis. So um, I hope that you will prayerfully and prayerfully consider supporting me. And what I'm doing, I'd love your email. Or if you'd like to know more, please come and see me in the back. I have candy from Ecuador. I know, some of you just perked up. And um, I have a prayer card and just some memories that um, happened in Ecuador. So I would like to, on behalf of good old Ecuador and myself, present Houghton... Wesleyan with a small little testament of what happened in Ecuador. It's a nativity scene made out of tagua, out of a tagua seed, and it's only found in the province of Loja, which is where I work. So I will be leaving this with you. You want to come up? Come on up. (laughs) Sure. Why not? There you go. Passing from one hand to the other. You're welcome. Thank you.
0: The scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 65, chapters 1, or verses 1 through 6, 13, sorry. Hear the word of the Lord. Praise awaits you, O God in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. O you who hear prayer, to you all men will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you chose, and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. Those living far away fear your wonders. Where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand and join us as we continue in worship together.
3: Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. i
1: spend a few moments praying together. If you would like to come and use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Father, we thank you for your grace to us, and we declare that you are our hope, that our life and everything that is good is in you. In this moment of prayer, we pray for the needs of our lives and those around us. We pray, Father, for all who are grieving today and ask for your grace of comfort and peace on their lives. We pray for all who are struggling with health concerns. And we pray especially for Tammy Dunmire, Blanche Weaver, Luke Heisinger, Wade Marsh, and Sheldon Emerson, for Doug Bogdan, Barb Rangel, for Bob Jobert, Laurel Bucher, for Bill Getty, Warren and Ella Woolsey, Phil Muker, Mike Raybuck, for Jill Tyson and Bruce Brenneman, for Bev Rett and Micah Christensen, and for Linda Roth, for Dick Gould and Emily Cricklar and for others who may be on our minds and our hearts today. We ask for your healing grace upon each of them. Father, we thank you for the ministries of this church and we thank you for the ministries of the wider church and we pray today for family camp this week and ask for your blessing to be upon every activity and every person who is here. We pray, Father, today for the Dalton United Methodist Church and Pastor Linda Star and ask for your grace upon this congregation as they worship you and as they live for you. We pray that you would bind their hearts and their minds together, that they would be a witness for your kingdom. And Father, we pray for this world in which we live—a world of pain and distress and struggle, heartache, burden. We pray for all who are dealing with the effects of the recent attacks and violence. Our hearts are broken. We ask, Father, that you will be present in the life of every person struggling. We pray that your church will be visible and present as a means of hope in the midst of great despair. We pray, Father, for refugees around the world who are struggling to have a place to live and eat and drink and basic necessities of life. And we pray for your grace upon them. We ask, Father, for our brothers and sisters who uh, face great persecution because of their faith. We think of Matthew, Nancy, and Harry who uh, are just a new converts to the faith and need a new beginning and are trying to, to find a place where they can follow you safely. We pray for your mercy upon them. Father, we pray for those who serve you throughout the world. Thank you for Jackie's ministry and we pray that as she moves on to a new new stage of life that you will continue to bless her. Pray for Anthony Petrillo and Rob Jacobson as they are now in Zambia and ask for your grace upon them as they continue to use technology as a means of sharing the gospel. We pray for the Shear family in in Romania and others who are out in, in your service around the world. May your grace be evident in all that they do. Father, help us to live openly and expectantly in the hope that is ours through the risen Christ. It's in His name that we offer our prayers, remembering the prayer that He taught His disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
0: We have an opportunity now to give back to God from all that he has given to us. As the ushers come forward to receive our morning tithes and offerings.
1: Before you're seated, take a moment to share with a word of greeting with others here in worship. Maybe introduce yourself to someone that you have not met yet. <coughs> Morning, how's it going? Amen. Yeah, Morning, how's it going?
3: Good. How are you? Do
1: you meet them? No, I don't. New couple. Hey, Amen. How are you? Hey, Dick. Nice to see you. Hey, Ben. It's great to see you. Yes, you're a little wild. Awesome. Okay, awesome! Awesome! That's
3: great! I'm so glad.
1: We all like to be praised, right? And we love to hear it. that was a great meal. That was an awesome presentation. That cabinet looks terrific. That is the best sermon I've ever heard. And today you're thinking, I hope I can walk out saying that's the shortest sermon I've ever heard. We love to be praised. We love it when people tell us, good job, A thank you, I appreciate what you've done, I appreciate you. You're the kind of person that I want to be around. We love to hear that. And, and we, sometimes it feels like we live for that. It's encouraging. We need it. And that's what comes to my mind when I read through particularly the Psalms that say to us, God, we are praising you. And the Psalms and other parts of Scripture say to us over and over again, God, you deserve to be praised. God, we want to praise you. And sometimes we're commanded to praise God. And the question in the back of my mind is why? I mean, is God so insecure that he needs us to stroke his ego? That he's sitting in heaven saying, man, I sure hope they like this, because if they don't, this is going to be bad. I hope that works out okay. Okay. And we say, thank you, God. We praise you, God. He says, oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. If that's the kind of God we worship, then let's just stop right now and everybody go home. Because that sounds an awful lot like you and me. Not the God we've been singing about and the God we read about. It is not because God has some need to be affirmed that the scriptures keep asking us and telling us and commanding us over and over again to praise God. Praising God is really not so much about God as it is about us. It isn't that God needs to hear our praises. It's that we need to speak them. Because when we speak words of praise to God, as David tells us to do at the beginning of Psalm 65, we are being reminded of who God is. And we all need to be reminded of who God is because we all live with skewed, warped views of God. Our sin creates a mindset in us that, that thinks of God in ways that are not true to the nature and the character of God. And so we all live with skewed views of God. And we need to be reminded again and again and again of who God is. That he is who he says he is. One of the things that I find in this psalm is that it, it expands our, our view of God, our understanding of who God is, and praise tends to do that. As we start naming all of the ways in which God works and all of the characteristics and the nature of God as much as we can. As we do that, it does something to us. And we begin to be reminded of the greatness of God. I'm not going to take the time to read through all the verses 5 through 13. But over and over and over again, David says, God, you have done this, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this. You have blessed us, you've been abundant, you've been extravagant. And that's the thing about God. One of the reasons we praise God is to remember how abundant and extravagant God is. And so David writes in this psalm about how God not only blesses, but he blesses abundantly. God not only brings in the harvest, but he brings on an abundant, extravagant harvest. And that's who God is. God is not a minimalist. God is not sitting there thinking, what's the least I can do for these people and still appease them? That's how we tend to live. God is always doing and creating and working in far uh, ways that are far beyond what we need. I was thinking about this in terms of creation. You know, I was looking up this week that there are 9,500 species of insects. There are almost 10,000 different species of birds. 30,000 different species of fish. There are 16,000 different species of trees just in the Amazon rainforest alone. And then you start thinking about the the, the stars and the heavens and, and it's estimated that there are 100... 1000000000 that's with a B, 100 billion stars in our galaxy and estimated to be 100 billion, again, a B, galaxies in the universe. And I'm thinking, why? Right? I mean, like, you know, 10 different trees wouldn't have been enough. You got 100 fish. I mean, that's good, isn't it? few thousand stars, maybe, maybe a million. It's because God loves to create. God loves to do things extravagantly. And that's why Paul writes and says that, that God wants to do immeasurably more than you could ever dream or imagine. God is not sitting there thinking, what's the least I can do? He is always thinking how much more How much more can I do? How much more can I give? Because it's the nature and the character of God. And every time we take time to praise God for who He is, we're reminded of that. And when we remember the extravagant abundance of God in the way He creates, in the way He operates in this world, we're reminded that God is extravagant and abundant in how He deals with us. And so David says here in verse 3, We acknowledge the depths of our sin, which causes us, because we're praising you, to acknowledge the depths of your grace. David wants us to understand that this God who creates in abundant and extravagant ways does the same thing in pouring out his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy upon us. We know the depths of our sin. We know the width and the breadth of our sin. We know the pain of our sin. And there are times where we think, is it too much? And David is reminding us that when we take the time to praise God and think about who God is, we are reminded that our sin is never too much for God's grace. God's grace is always sufficient. Despite the despair of our sin, despite the depths of our sin, despite the wide range of our sin, God's grace is always sufficient. And it is so easy to forget that unless we take time to praise Him and to remember who He is. That He is not the God that often we think of in our skewed, sinful perspectives. He is so much bigger, so much greater. So much more. I wonder sometimes if one of the reasons we struggle with, with praise and with, and with letting our praise really get inside of us is because we don't really take the time to do it. And I think one of the ways in which, which praise comes alive for us is when we take time to be silent. To think, to ponder who God is. There is an alternate translation to verse 1 here. Uh, most, uh, many of the translations have what we had, what we read this morning, something about praise is due you in Zion, O God. But there are other translations, some of the ancient texts uh, are, and so the New American Standard Version says, There will be silence before you and praise in Zion, O God. Other translations. You are praised with silence, O oh God. Silence is praise to you. There is something about stopping and being silent that that opens our minds to ponder who God is. We live in a noisy world. I was looking up this week. There are at least ten different colors that we assign to noise. I mean, we are we are so enamored with noise we can't just say noise. We have to talk about white noise and blue noise and gray noise. You know, because we, we have all these nuances of noise because it is so important to our lives. And maybe that's why we live with such skewed views of God. And noise isn't just sound. It's often how we think and what we do. Noise can be busyness, and we love busyness. In fact, we often wear busyness as a badge of honor. Or worked 80 hours last week. Yeah, I'm committed. I'll say, no, you're crazy. You know? But we, we get so enamored with busyness, with doing, that we don't take the time to be silent. I suspect that one of the reasons we hesitate with silence is we're afraid of what God may say to us. He's going to ask us to do something we don't want to do. He's going to put his finger on something in our lives that that he wants to fix. And we'd rather he didn't. If we never take time to praise God, not just with our mouths, but with our thoughts, with silence. Bonhoeffer talks about a humility in silence. The kind of silence that is saying to God, Lord, I'm open to you. I'm ready to listen to you. You say to me whatever you want to say. And that kind of openness to God opens our minds to understand who God is. But I think ultimately, we can listen for days on end and we can sing praise songs for days on end But I am convinced the highest form of praise is obedience. Sometimes what we do for God is a smokescreen to what God really wants us to do. What he's asking of us. I think obedience is the highest form of praise. Because despite what we may say with our mouths and and sing with our mouths, and despite the way that, that we may even spend time in silence, if we don't do what God wants us to do, then what we are initially declaring, in essence, is, I don't really believe that God is who he says he is. Because I don't want to take this risk. I don't want to take this step of faith because I'm not sure God is really trustworthy. I'm not sure that God is really good. I'm not sure that God's intent for my life is flourishing. And so we hesitate. And we go our own way. But when we take those steps of faith, when we we take steps of obedience, as as David says here in verse 1, we will fulfill our vows to you. When we do that, we are declaring, God, I may not understand it. I might not get it. I might really be struggling with it, but if this is what you're calling me to do, then I'm going to do it because I trust you. I trust who you are. It is the difference between living our lives with a passion for security versus a passion for God. And if we live with a passion for security, what's driving us is fear. If all we want is security, then we will only make decisions based on what is the least fearful thing that I might do. What's the thing that that brings me the least amount of fear? How can I avoid the things that make me afraid? And that drives us. And most of the time, fear will not drive us to God. It will drive us away from God. Because John says, perfect love casts out fear. But when our passion is for the one who is eternally trustworthy, it always leads us to joy. It may lead us to difficult circumstances. It may lead us to pain and heartache and struggle. And it may lead us to difficulties. But because we are trusting in our creator, the one whose designs for us are always in our best interest, it will ultimately lead us to joy. And so in verse 8, here David talks about how we rejoice In coming together in your temple. And you get to the end of this psalm. And he's talking about the mountains. And the hills and the animals. And you get to the end of it. And he says they all sing and shout for joy. Because they're yours. And this is why we gather every Sunday. Because we all need to be reminded. In corporate praise of who God is. We need to do what we can on our own and we should do that and we should have time to read the scripture and time to ponder God and and even to to offer our words of praise to God but by ourselves on our own we will tend to gravitate toward the scriptures that tell us what we want to hear. We will tend to sing the songs that make us feel good about how we're living. We will tend to to, uh, think about God in ways that that Make us free from what we really need to address. But in corporate worship, as we come together and offer corporate praise, we sing songs that we may or may not like, but we need to hear what they say. We read scriptures that we might otherwise avoid, but we need to hear. We take time to stop and to listen we are reminded over and over again sunday after sunday after sunday of who god is and of god's good design and good good thoughts and good good pleasure that he wants for every one of us and that brings us to this table because at this table we find at its core the nature of god the nature of god in Christ who, who loves us and wants what is best for us and desires us to experience life in the fullness of all that He created us to experience. This table turns us to the, to the past, and we remember what Christ has done, what God has done for us in Christ to bring us to this place. But this is also a table about the future. It is a foretaste of that day when, when Christ ushers in His kingdom and we will all gather around the marriage supper of the Lamb and celebrate God and praise Him because on that day, we will truly understand who God is. And our hearts will be filled with joy for who God is and because of what God has done in the past and what God has promised in the future we come to the present and we are confident that we can trust Him that He is good and that praising Him is always the right thing to do in preparation for coming to the table this morning we're going to do three things at the end of every, all the rows, inside and outside of the rows, there are three by five cards. And I'm going to ask you to pass those down your rows so that everybody has one. And some type of writing utensil. We're going to do three things. First of all, we're going to offer a corporate prayer of confession. We are going together as one body confess our sins and hear God's words of forgiveness. And then we're going to spend about 45 to 60 seconds in silence listening to God. It's just a a glimpse into what silence can mean for us. It will probably feel a little bit uncomfortable for you. But that's okay. And then third, out of the confession and out of the silence, I'm going to ask you to take a moment to write down anything God may be saying to you that he wants you to do. And to commit yourself today to say, Lord, through your grace, I'm going to be obedient. So let's join together in this prayer of confession that will be printed on the screens. Merciful God, we confess to you now that we have sinned. We confess the sins that no one knows and the sins that everyone knows. We confess the sins that are a burden to us and the sins that do not bother us because we have grown used to them. We confess our sins as a church, hesitating to love one another, to forgive one another to give ourselves to one another like Christ. Father, forgive us. Send the Holy Spirit upon us as you did your disciples, that he may give us power to live as you have called us to live. Give us grace to accept what you have promised. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive your sins. Amen. Let us listen to God. Now, if God is prompting you to write down something, let me encourage you to do so. If you're watching on the streaming, grab a piece of paper and write down what God may be saying to you. We're going to take just a moment to uh, give ourselves the opportunity to, to write down whatever God may be asking us to do. gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, and we praise you. You're the creator of all that exists. You're the sustainer of all that you have made, the redeemer of everyone. We praise you that you are good and merciful, And that your designs for us are above and beyond anything we could dream or imagine. We pray that you will pour out the abundance of your blessing upon the bread and the cup of which we are about to partake today. May it be food for our souls. And may it stir us to more and more praise of you as we ponder who you are and what you've done for us in Christ Jesus. Be glorified in our praise and our worship, and we ask this through Christ. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, meeting with his disciples, he took bread. He gave thanks to the Father in heaven, and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the same night, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and gave it to his disciples, saying, drink from this, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. This morning, we are receiving communion by the mode of intinction, which means to dip in. As you're released by rows, come to the front, tear off a piece of bread, dip into the cup, eat it, and then you may return to your seat by the outside aisles. The altar rail's always open if you would like to stay and pray. If coming to the front is difficult for you or if you simply prefer, we have trays of bread and cups. We're happy to serve you in your seat. Just let the usher know as your row is released. And I have gluten-free wafers and cups here. If you would like those, just let me know as you come forward. I always like to mention that we practice open communion at the Wesleyan Church. may not be a member of this church. Maybe it's the first time you've ever worshipped in this church. But you come today with your heart open to God, with a desire for God in your life, a passion for him. Come, receive these gifts from our gracious, loving, heavenly Father.